Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Ketogenic Nutritionist Podcast. I'm your host, Temple Stewart, registered dietitian and the ketogenic nutritionist. My why for this podcast is to further your knowledge on the ketogenic diet by discussing tips and tricks for weight loss, health updates, research updates, and all of my favorite recipes. Just think of it as all things keto. So let's jump right in, and thanks again for being here. Before we get into it, I just wanted to let you know that group enrollment for my February group is closing this Friday. This is going to be the last chance you have to join one of my groups until after baby. I'm eight months pregnant today, so that's coming soon. So I just wanted to let you know if you're interested in that, please reach out to me on Instagram at the.ketogenic.nutritionist, or I'm going to put the link to schedule a free discovery call in the bio of this episode. So don't hesitate. This is your chance. Again, this is going to be the last group I run for a little bit of time just because I want to take some time to bond with baby. So reach out. I'm happy to answer any questions you have about the group enrollment. And you can also schedule um, a free discovery call with me, like I said, and we can discuss if it's a good option for you. So I'm looking forward to hearing from you and let's get into it fasting. So this is going to be the first episode I have on fasting just because I want to keep it super simple, kind of go over the basics. I know some of you may be really, really well advanced into fasting as it goes hand in hand with the ketogenic diet, but I want to make sure that my podcast stays very practical and very helpful for those that are starting out. So fasting 101 is what I'm going to call it. Super cliche and not original, but that's okay. So Oh, and then I also wanted to just say thank you to those of you that submitted a question about fasting um, through Instagram. I will be answering those at the end of this podcast, so please stick around. I'm going to get to all of them. So let's chat fasting. So fasting can be a really, really, really good tool for weight loss and healing. I think a lot of people are confused about fasting. I think they're confused about how to do it what to eat, what you can drink, just kind of what it's all about. And this is kind of why I was prompted to make this series because I just want to help you understand that. Now, before we get too far into it, I want you to understand that the typical way of the Western diet that we eat now has not been the way that we have eaten for, for years and years and years and years and years, right? So there was, believe it or not, you know, hundreds of years ago, there was not a Dunkin' Donuts on every corner. There wasn't food at every office party. There wasn't just this overabundance of indulgence all the time, right? So if you think back to our ancestors, they were likely hunting and gathering and kind of meals came as these um, these kills came or as they found, you know, abundance in ve- fruit and vegetables or whatever else. It was not them being surrounded by food all of the time. And I, and I genuinely believe that this is a part of some of the problem and the and the reason why we have so much chronic disease is because we just constantly eat like I mean it's just all the time and if you think about I I read some statistic one time and y'all don't quote me on this but it was like the average American eats over 40 times a day now obviously they're not sitting down to have a full meal but they are having cream in their coffee and they may have a peppermint And then they may have like a little handful of nuts as they walk past the desk or whatever. So you think about that. Those are calories that go into your body that have to be digested and metabolized. So that that really does count as eating. So I just want you to know that if you think back into 
the olden days, I should say, things were not as they are now and food was not as abundant and fasting was a natural way of life. It was a part of people's bodies. It was a part of just normal routine. The same thing with the ketogenic diet. So a lot of people don't understand this, but before really agriculture boomed, really we did not have the amount of excessive carbs that we do now. Maybe meat and um, milk and veggies and fruit were a part of the average meal, but it just wasn't in the constant bread and pasta and rice and all of this corn, etc., that we do now. So keto and fasting were definitely a part of life back then. I also just want to say that fasting, as I mentioned before, really does go hand in hand with the ketogenic diet. The reason the reason behind this is, is because once your body is capable of making energy from what it's already stored, i.e. fat, and then converting those to ketones and then use for energy, it doesn't constantly need to prompt you to grab things to eat externally. So when you're in the ketogenic state, like I said, fasting, like it comes naturally. I can remember in the very beginning of my ketogenic journey, I really knew about fasting, but I wasn't really interested in starting it. I just wanted to get the ketogenic diet down right, make sure that my body was properly fueled. And then I decided I would delve into intermittent fasting. But intermittent fasting came for me quicker than I realized because as my body was so getting so good at making ketones, it just literally comes naturally. Like I remember waking up in the morning and I've always been like quite the breakfast gal. I can remember, you know, a couple of weeks into keto, I was like, you know, I'm just not hungry and I didn't eat breakfast. And so I can remember like naturally getting into this intermittent fasting mode without actually planning it, which I think is really cool and also a testament to being mindful and listening to your body. So I want to say that that's the reason why like keto and low carb people tend to have a easier time when they start intermittent fasting because they don't need those external cues or they don't have those internal cues to constantly get external sources of sugar and food. So their bodies are actively making ketones and giving them the energy they need and they're not constantly being prompted to eat. Fasting also looks a little different for everyone. So just because they're, you don't stick to a specific fasting regimen, that doesn't mean anything. I, I, people get really dogmatic about this, and I really don't think that's the way to approach fasting. I think the way to approach fasting is listening to your body, being aware of your lifestyle, and never ever using fasting as a as a compensation tool if you overeat. So I've seen this happen before as well. And I just want to go ahead and nip that in the bud before we even continue on, because that is not a healthy way to go about it. If you overate carbs or maybe you had a bad meal or whatever, it doesn't matter. Water off the duck's back, let it go. You should not try to compensate that with extended fasting or even over exercising. That is like the beginning of danger zone in your relationship with food. So I just want to give that disclaimer as well is that you should never be be doing that. And if and if fasting brings along negative thoughts or feelings or shame or guilt or whatever and you're finding that it it doesn't do anything good for your relationship with food, stop. Okay? Fasting is a supplemental way to go about healing the body. It is not necessarily something that you absolutely have to do. Again, I'm a pro 
I'm a proponent of fasting. I think it's great, but I also want you all to understand that there should not be those negative thoughts around it. And you definitely should not be using it as a way to see, um, as a way to, you know, kind of repair damage that you've done doing something else. So anyway, back to what I was saying is don't be dogmatic about this. You have to figure out what's right for you in terms of your fasting regimen. So like if you know your routine, if you know your lifestyle, you know your schedule, base it off of that. And remember, sleep counts as a part of your fasting. So use it. I can remember when I was playing around with my fasting routine, sometimes I would skip breakfast, sometimes I would skip dinner. It just depended on how my body felt that day, what I was, when I was working out, et cetera, when I felt real true hunger cues. And I would always, always, always use sleep to my advantage. I also want you to know that there are some people that should not fast. So if you are pregnant or breastfeeding, I think very short periods of fasting can be fine. Like I am eight months pregnant right now and I probably do like a 12-hour fast at night and that's just more of maintenance. Um, but you definitely don't want to be doing these extreme things when you are pregnant or breastfeed extreme times like extended fasting or maybe two to three day fasting or whatever when you're when you're pregnant or breastfeeding because that can one lower your milk supply and two when you're pregnant obviously the one who needs nutrition is your baby so just understand that there there are certain cases that you have to be careful with fasting same thing with like people on insulin or hypertensive medications to lower your blood pressure, water pills, things of that nature, you have to be very mindful that your pills and fasting may not get along well. So I say this in just about every podcast that I um, film is that you have to speak with your pharmacist or doctor before you start fasting just so that you can be aware of how to monitor your blood pressure as well as your blood sugar and have a plan to lower those if need be. Because again, just like the ketogenic diet, fasting is incredibly powerful and it works very quickly. I don't want to get into too much of the studies because there's just countless numbers of them. But there are a lot, a lot of studies that show how beneficial fasting can be to decreasing inflammation, which we all know is, uh, I would say, aside from insulin resistance, one of the biggest causes of chronic disease. It can also help improved insulin sensitivity. So when you are fasting that way, insulin is reduced rapidly, which is really, really good. And as well as blood pressure release or goes down. So as your insulin level increases, so does your blood pressure. Those two are kind of combined. So you can assume that as insulin decreases, it can help with blood pressure. It can also help you if you are holding on to a lot of water or water weight um, that's another way because you lose a lot of that through urination, which is great. I don't want you to think that that's a bad thing that can help lower blood pressure. Fasting also dramatically reduces triglycerides. So any of you that have been listening to me long enough know that insulin resistance and triglycerides go hand in hand. If you have high tri triglycerides, you should have your insulin levels checked, period. Fasting reduces triglycerides. Um, we already know it reduces insulin, so that makes sense. Fasting also leads to weight loss. Now, there's argue there's arguments that say, oh, this is because it makes you more insulin sensitive, or oh, it's because it makes you eat less calories. Regardless of what it, what the answer is, and I, I really don't care. This is kind of people being dogmatic again. It doesn't really matter. It 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 does show to promote weight loss, so that can be really helpful. And you typically lead 
it, it, it helps you understand true hunger cues. There's some really cool research about fasting reducing cancer as well, which is awesome. It basically cleans out damaged mitochondria and turns on certain genes that repair things. So it helps get rid of the bad cells, helps turn on the good ones, essentially. And then there's also some really cool research, especially with Dr. Longo, if you're familiar with him, that fasting can lead to a longer life. So there's a lot of interesting research on autophagy, which is basically the body's process of getting rid of the old, failing tumor laden maybe cells and building new ones so it's really cool research coming out there and really i expect more and more research to just continue to come out on all of these things so it's it, there's a lot of benefits a lot of studied benefits it also has some interesting effects on the gut when you give your when you give your intestines and stomach and just total digestive tract a break it can be helpful for you to heal there. So I've heard some really cool stories about people, especially with some chronic gut issues and or IBS, things of that nature that really see a lot of healing when they let their, their gut fully, fully rest. So I don't really want to get into all of the extended types of fasting in this episode. I'm going to save that for another episode. Because there's tons of different ways you can do it. And again, I just want to hone in on the fact that you should listen to your body, okay? And fasting is one of those things that you can adjust and you can see how your body responds and you can see what works with you and you can tweak it and tailor it that way. But if you are interested in starting and you have the okay from your pharmacist and physician, you're not on any contraindicating medications or you're not pregnant or breastfeeding, the first kind of step I would obviously recommend is make sure you're following a low carb or ketogenic diet. If you are eating a ton of sugar and you're eating a ton of carbs, this is not the time to try fasting. You need to address that first because you're going to have a blood sugar plunge and it is not going to be pleasant by any means. So please understand that you need to get that under control first and then you can attempt fasting But if you are low carb, you eat relatively good and you maybe follow a ketogenic diet and you're interested in incorporating fasting, I would recommend you start with a, the 16, eight method. Okay. So the 16, eight method is very, very simple. It's basically a 16 hour fasting window. Now, if this sounds like too much, then just start with a 14 hour fasting window and a 10 hour feeding window. So the 16-8 is 16 hours fasting, 8 hours feeding. That means anything you put in your mouth in those 8 hours, it, it, that's where the calories are going to come from. So any, I'm, I should have said in the 16 hours, you don't put anything in your mouth that has calories. Or you can, but just very, very small amounts. Like maybe you wanted to sip on some bone broth or maybe have a cup of coffee, those types of things, or herbal tea, that's fine. But you definitely shouldn't be drinking your coffee with, you know, half a cup of half and half and a ton of regular sugar. That's not considered fasting. So the 16-8 method is a good place to start. I recommend you first try skipping breakfast. If you are um, a breakfast person, this can be challenging. You, If you're a breakfast person, you may want to try to skip dinner. Now, I know that that sounds wild, skipping dinner. Um, I did this when I was single and didn't have a family. It, it got a little bit more challenging because I obviously want to be there for my kids and my husband. But 
Um, try skipping breakfast first. Have your coffee. Make sure you stay really well hydrated. And then have your first meal around whatever your schedule fits, 11, 12. Maybe it's one. And then you can start your counting for your feeding window then. So if you had your first meal at noon, that means you would get till 8 p.m. to have the rest of your meals that day. Now, I want to say something too because I've seen this happen a lot and I'll I'll probably have a whole episode on fasting mistakes or things to avoid, but if you fast and then you binge, that is is counterintuitive, okay? So you want to make sure that you're breaking your fast with nutritious food and you don't want to say, "Oh, well I just fasted for 16 hours, I'm going to go eat a whole pizza." Okay? Cuz that again is going to get your blood sugars all funky and you're going to be eating a lot of inflammatory foods that you literally just help decrease inflammation. So why would you add all of that back? So if you're a beginner to summarize all of that, if you're a beginner, start with the 16, eight method. Again, if that seems a little too intimidating, start just with 14 hours of fasting, 10 hours of feeding. Okay. And even if that seems too intimidating, why don't you just make sure you're fasting for 12 hours a day? Now I recommend this for the general population. I say, if you're not getting at least 12 hours where there is a break of eating for your stomach and your gut and all of that, that's, that's not good. You really don't need to be eating longer than, than 12 hours. So beginners start with 16, eight, adjust that if that's a little bit too much, what is allowed during fasting? So this can get controversial because people argue about this and what causes autophagy or what will stop autophagy and all that. Remember that's the cell death, um, the damaged cell death. If I, I say stick to three things, number one, obviously you have to stay hydrated. You'll lose water and fasting very similar to you will that you will on a ketogenic diet. You have to make sure that you're drinking enough water. Uh, black coffee is allowed. Um, some people will argue that you can't have stevia. I honestly enjoy stevia in my coffee. So I see full on intermittent fasting benefits with a little stevia. Um, I don't add cream or um, like heavy whipping cream or coconut cream or whatever. If I'm fasting in the morning, I just have black coffee or I have herbal tea without anything added to it. So try to keep it very minimum. There are some people that'll do like a little bit of apple cider vinegar and lemon juice and water or something of that nature. And honestly, the calories are so low in that that I don't think that it, it's going to do much damage. Um, but you just have to make sure that you're not you're not having, um, like I said, a ton of a calor- ton of calories. Also, just make sure that you are staying hydrated. I know I've said that once before, but that is super important to fasting um, is you want to, and it also helps you realize if it's true hunger or if you're just bored, right? So um, a lot of times we think that we're hungry, but we're either emotional or we're thirsty or um, there's some other trigger or cue causing us to eat. So it can be really helpful to try to have a cup of water, make sure you're staying hydrated to really understand, um, true hunger cues. I wanted to finish up the podcast, answering the few questions I got from my Instagram. So first one is from Alex. She asked, how often can you work out while fasting? This is a really good question. So you can definitely work. I'm not going to say you need to like overextend yourself exercise, but there's nothing wrong with exercising, doing HIIT workouts, things like that while fasting. So there's not really like a limit on how often. Obviously, you want to be mindful of how your body feels and make sure, make sure you're repleting those electrolytes. 
that's a big deal. And so just make sure you can work out anytime you fast. Just make sure that you replete, replete that hydration and those electrolytes. Trot Law from Instagram. Best way to best way for beginners to incorporate fasting with keto. Just go back to what I said earlier of uh, that 16-8 method is the first thing that I would start with. And then you can, as you get good at it, you can move it up to 18 and 6. However you want to kind of do it and whatever fits your body is good. Now, I do want to say, um, Christine asked a really good question and it kind of goes hand in hand with the trot law question. Um, Christine says, is fasting timing different for men and women? So yes. And I love this question, Christine, you women need to be very aware that their hormones are very sensitive and you can overfast. And what I mean by that is if you take it to the extremes, you're intermittent fasting every day and it's just constant and you start to feel the symptoms of thyroid storm or anything that's going on not right, you need to take a break with the fasting because it can fasting is stressful on the body. And it can't same thing with the ketogenic diet for the record. Um you really I, I cannot hone in on this enough. You really need to be in tune with your body and make sure that you're being mindful of how you feel, symptoms that you may be having, et cetera, because fasting timing is different for men and women. And while I think, um, I think women absolutely can incorporate fasting, they just need to be much more careful. And honestly, the same thing with men, you need to be mindful as well, as well but it's less likely to cause some of those hormonal disruptions. Christine, if I have cream in my coffee but no sugar does that break my fast technically yes if you want to be super dogmatic about it but even then if it's just a splash i don't think it should i don't think it'll mess it up too much at all what is the average fasting range this is from snicky genetic i.e 12 hours 14 hours again that goes back to the numbers thing of the 16 8 and then work your way either down or up depending on how you feel. So those were great questions. Thank you guys for answering those. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, I get a lot of my content and I give away a ton of free content on Instagram. Uh, I also have the link in my bio there to sign up for my newsletter and I'll occasionally send out grocery lists or snack lists and other things that I think my followers will find enjoyable. So go there, follow me, get my newsletter and share this podcast if you enjoyed it. Again, I hope that I'm being practical and giving you good information. And I just want you to know that I appreciate you guys. So thank you for the listen today. And again, share with a friend if you enjoyed it.